0: Welcome to In the Black with your host, Bob Dickerson. Our program takes a look at the socioeconomic issues affecting black America. From education to news and politics to business matters, we have the stories and guests that you need to hear about. Now, here is Bob Dickerson.
1: Hey, this is Bob Dickerson with In the Black on Voice America Radio happy to be here today. It's going to be a great show. It's one I am really, really looking forward to uh, to doing. You know, uh, I'm recording this in advance. And, um, and so today we're going to talk about whether or not college athletes ought to be paid. And, um, and so as I'm recording this on Sunday, it's going to air on Wednesday. And so all of you who are sports fans know that number one, this is a great weekend For sports fans, period, especially if you're a football fan. So, you had the divisional playoffs um, in the NFL. Uh, Great game yesterday. Uh, Congratulations to the Titans and the 49ers for their wins. I am gearing up to look at the Kansas City uh, versus Houston game and also Green Bay and Seattle. So, I'm a big time college and pro football fan. And I am certainly, certainly. Interested in seeing the game Monday night where the LSU Tigers play the Clemson Tigers. Uh, got a connection to Clemson only because I'm a big-time Bama fan. And uh, as you know, uh, Dabo Sweeney, who played at Alabama and on their 92 championship team, uh, is a coach at Clemson. And Clemson has a chance to win three out of the last four college football championships, which I think is commendable. So congratulations to them. Uh, as many of you know, I am in Alabama, so I am an Alabama fan, roll-tied. We came up a little short this year. Uh, our defense was not as good as it's been in the past. Uh, Bama will regroup. I was just happy uh, last night as I, as I was watching the NFL play to see um, to see Derrick Henry, a former Bama player and Heisman Trophy winner, have a huge game, and also to see uh, – Marlon Humphrey, who plays for the Ravens, and, and, of course, Mark Ingram, another Bama Heisman Trophy winner. And so there were a couple other Bama players on those rosters. So, so Roll Tide, anyway, uh, not our best year. but And so, so that game will have been seen on, uh, on ESPN on Monday night. It would have had millions and millions of households tuning in. And, and the fact of the matter is, when you really look at big-time college sports, big-time college sports, football and basketball, there is a lot of money being made. As a matter of fact, you can look at the dollar amounts in billions with a B. And when you take the cumulative effect over years, it ends up being trillions with a T and so in this multi billion dollar conservatively speaking multi billion dollar industry the there are a lot of folks making money uh i think the coach of alabama his salary is about 8 million from the school he's the highest paid person in the state of alabama and i you know i think he he deserves it i'm not going to take any money from him uh texas a&m which is Coincidentally, the richest program the, the, in terms of revenue generation, they're generate, generating more revenue than anybody else. Texas A&M, A&M. they hired Jimbo Fisher. Uh, they're paying him, I guess, a 75 or $80 million contract. And so, so I can go on and on. And the fact of the matter is that the coaches are getting paid, head coaches, assistant coaches, trainers, team doctors. Etc. cetera, et cetera. The colleges themselves are making money. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've looked up some stuff that, uh, has indicated that, uh, that actually it is good to have a great sports program, especially a great football team, because that enhances a college's ability to, uh, to, to get students, to recruit students. And so, you know, having that image being on TV Being a college that's seen uh, as being progressive in the athletic space is also a way of uh, keeping people interested in attending. And so we can go on down the line because it's not just the coaches and the administrators and the colleges that are making money. You look at the TV executives, but you can even get down to the fact that sports officials are getting paid, uh, the parking lot attendants are getting paid the folks that are running the concession stands are getting paid, the people in your sports information offices are getting paid, and the product, the product, the talent, the people that you come to see play are the ones who are not getting paid. And that is arguable. Uh, You'll have a lot of people who will say, well, they are getting an education. And, uh, and that is true. They do have an opportunity to get an education, but getting an education is not the same as benefiting from the revenue that you're generating for your employer. And so I think it's really important that we, we have a conversation about uh, should college athletes be paid? There are pros and there are some cons, and, and we want to, uh, to look at all of them. And so TV, the, the NCAA, um, as all of you know, is a nonprofit organization. It's a nonprofit organization. Uh, it, it runs college athletics. Uh, it takes in close to $8 billion a year. According to a, um, to a Business Insider report, there are 24 schools that make at least $100 million annually from their athletic departments. Pause for a moment and think about that. 24 schools that make at least $100 million annually from their athletic departments. Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, the two Texas schools, even though they are not uh, potentially and um, (laughs) not always vying for championships, they're the biggest ones. Texas A&M and Texas is right behind them. But 100 schools are generating that kind of income from their athletic programs. That's a lot of money. I don't have to tell you that is a lot of money. Any way you slice it, any way you dice it, any way you look at it, making that kind of money, generating that kind of revenue is important. Here's what is even more impressive as I look at it. Not only are they generating significant amounts of money. A lot of it is profit. Uh, as a matter of fact, I looked at the, the, if you really think about business, uh, bottom line return on investment, uh, quote unquote profit. And this is the money you make after you paid all of your expenses. Uh, you're, you're talking about programs that are 50% profitable in a lot of cases. Forty percent in many cases. And I saw a couple of cases where sixty percent, so sixty percent, you make a hundred million dollars, you spend forty million dollars to make it you've got that sixty million dollars left to do other things with it. Now, what do they do with it? Well, build more stadiums, enhance the experience for donors and alumni to come to games. Uh you know, build state-of-the-art locker rooms, and uh, you go in some of these locker rooms. I I saw a picture of the LSU locker room. It is like the Taj Mahal, and I think all of that is good. That's not an unwise uh, use of that money. I don't, you know, I'm sure that some people would argue that it is. I don't think it's an unwise use of that money. But the point is that the sport game, the college sport game, is very very profitable to the folks that are in a position to profit from it but unfortunately we have not found a way to in my opinion adequately compensate the athletes that are participating in this game so we're going to talk about that today uh the money that they're making uh the fact that the players themselves are poorly compensated, and in some cases, not compensated. Uh, the fact that, yes, I mentioned that 24 schools are making $100 million. There are some schools that aren't doing as well. Uh, some of the smaller colleges, some of the 1AA, Division II, even Division three colleges that have players that come and they, they give their blood, sweat, and tears on the athletic fields and courts as well. Uh, we're going to talk about, in, and, I, and I'm going to share some ideas as to how we think we can make it better. I am not the only one who's thinking about this. Uh, in California, just passed a law. They are going to compensate their athletes uh, a lot better than they have in the past and in ways that other states have not yet adopted, I think we'll see a trend. I do think that uh, there may be a time in, in the not so distant future where you will see not only the playoff system for college athletics change, but you may see a super uh, conference, if you will, or a group of super conferences. We have that now with the five uh, conferences that their players and, and, and members get a chance to play for the championship. A couple of folks outside of a conference may have a chance to do that from time to time, Notre Dame being that one exception. But, but when some of these super conferences may actually break away from the NCAA so that they can establish their own rules. And I would just bet that one of their rules would extend the ability of the schools to compensate out athletes. Yes, you do have the problem. I'll call it the kind of the Yankees problem. You know, the New York Yankees always have had a reputation of getting all of the high priced uh, players to play for them. And I, I'm a Dodger fan in baseball. The Dodgers have done the same thing. Hadn't paid off as much for them because uh, the Dodgers still hadn't won a world series, even with, the highest or one of the highest payrolls in baseball. Uh, but but yes, there is a there there is the fear that the better players are going to go where the better compensation is going to be. And one of the things that I haven't figured out and I'm going to advance some theories as to how to make this work, but what I haven't figured out is to how to make it even across the board, even for the colleges that are members of those super conferences, the SEC, for example, Vanderbilt, would not be able to attract and it does not now. And it wouldn't then be able to attract the same athlete as an Alabama, Auburn or Georgia. So so we have to grapple with that. The one thing that that I want to express, though, is that we need to find a fairer way to compensate athletes financially. The education piece is great. But we do have to have financial compensation for our athletes. So stick around. We're going to have that conversation today. You're listening to In the Black on Voice America Radio Network. This is Bob Dickerson.
2: out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn
3: there are many people who claim to be dog experts yet they don't really provide a connection between dog owners and their best friend this is where the bs stops Listen for Taming the Wild in Your Dog with expert author and nationally recognized dog trainer, Brian Bailey. Each show has experts, professional trainers, and veterinarians to give you the right answers. Listen for the safety and well-being of your dog. Listen every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: There are many innocent people who are found guilty of crimes that they did not commit. Join criminal defense investigator Jeff Stein for Is there really truth and justice for all? Each show, we'll discuss the problem. And it is a problem. The fact that because of incompetent investigations and a poor judicial system, anybody can become a victim. Can we fix this? Tune in to find out. You can listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black.
1: Hey, this is Bob Dickerson. You're back on In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. We are talking about whether or not big time college athletes ought to be paid. I mentioned in the earlier segment that this show is airing on Wednesday, the 15th, just a couple of days after the National Football Championship game between LSU and Clemson would have been played. I've got mixed emotions about who I'm pulling for in that game. You know, you want to pull for an SEC team, I'm an Alabama fan. But Dabbo Sweeney, who was the coach of Clemson, actually was an Alabama player. But if Clemson wins, they're doing something phenomenal, uh, winning three out of the last four championship uh, NCAA football championships. And boy, they beat the tie down last year. So I don't know. I'm having a difficult time trying to pull for Clemson. But yeah, this argument about whether or not the athletes that are playing big-time college sports ought to be paid is, is one that I think uh, that you have to respect both sides. Uh, I, I will say I am for paying them, and I will tell you uh, in probably the next segment my formula for paying these athletes. It's a little bit different from the ones that I've heard I've, I've learned uh, throughout my years that I can't say that I've made it up because every time I think I made something up, I find out somebody else has the same thought. I, and people kill me when they say, oh, they're going to steal my idea. Well, folks probably already had that idea too. You're not the only idea factory that's running around here. So tell us what your ideas are. And if somebody else had it, fine. And if you can get credit for it, good. If you can't, it's okay. But But some of the, the pros the the reasons that you might want to consider uh, outside the fact that schools are making billions of dollars and the NCAA schools are making billions of dollars off the backs of these athletes is that paying the the athletes would actually make them healthier and perhaps more able to uh, focus on studies and and move toward a degree uh, they won't have to. They won't have to look for outside employment, the summer employment. Uh, They would, uh, they, they, you eliminate this thing about them actually uh, having one player make more than another because they could sell their images. And so, if you're on the, you know, if you're on the team at Alabama and you're not a starter, nobody's going to buy your autograph. And so, you only got ten or fifteen players that could benefit from that. So you could standardize it. So everybody that letters, everybody that plays, everybody that contributes a certain amount of time to college athletics uh, is going to get a check uh, and going to get compensated in a way that's fairer than they are currently. Uh, Another thing it would do is it would provide relief to families. Um, You know, a good number of the families of some of the kids that come from um, lower income uh, communities, great athletes, families don't have a lot of wealth. Uh, even on a scholarship, the family makes a sacrifice for that child to go to college. Um, there's usually a car, uh, you've got to have some clothes. You, you, if you're an athlete, you're guarding against being judged, um, in, in conflict with some of the rules. So there are things that even your family friends and others might not be able to do for you. And so you're a little hamstrung. So uh, hamstrung. So, so it really could provide some relief to the families and also uh, you know keep players from doing something that most of us naturally would do if we're able to get some money, especially if we don't think anybody's going to know about it and it's outside the lines a little bit. And we know we need it and we know our mothers need it. We know we got to pay gas. We're going to take our girlfriend out to dinner Etc. It it just it eliminates what could be a bad situation. Uh, it's it's another incentive to play, uh, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, it could kind of stop the corruption that the some coaches and agents and you know the shoe executives that when they conspire to 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 actually get in with a recruit that they think has the potential of going and making a lot of money in the pros and they want to make sure that that usually high school student likes them above, you know, other people. And, and so they start feeding uh, money to the family. Generally, that's the way it's done. So, so, so that, that, that could be eliminated. Um, it would encourage the better athletes, not just the ones that are going pro, but, uh, but other good athletes to stay in the program longer, which gives them an opportunity to earn a degree. And so, you know, typically we've always said that this college scholarship is a way to earn a degree. I'll put a pin in that. A lot of times, uh, some of these athletes aren't really prepared to have the full time job that playing on, say, a big time college football team uh, requires you to have. And then, trust me, in football season and beyond it, and then you got, you lift weights afterwards, it's almost like, a full-time job. So a lot of these young men and young women aren't really prepared to have a full-time job and actually get a degree within a reasonable period of time. They may not have had quite the background toward that kind of major and having a major that's going to actually uh, make them uh, good candidates for 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 gainful employment after school. And so this, you get a scholarship to get a degree is sort of a misnomer if you gotta play sports. Uh, but if you're being compensated more fairly, then maybe you can stay in school a little bit longer, uh, stay in the program a little bit longer and actually move toward getting a degree. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, that costs are gonna go up for the rest of the school tuition. I mentioned uh, earlier in the show that there are several programs that make $100 million or more. There, there are many more, 24, that are, that are in that $100 million category. That means there are another, you know, 40 that are approaching that amount. And, and a lot of that is profit. And so it's just what you do with the profit that you get from the program. Reprogramming the profit could be good. Um, it, it actually could be uh, a, a really good thing uh, of, of keeping folks in college keeping them from doing things that would otherwise make them ineligible. Um, it would be some incentive to actually staying in there and planning the program, uh, staying with the program and moving toward a, getting a degree. And so those are some things that I think would be good. Now, there are some, there are some things that we have to concern ourselves with that would be listing on the con side. Uh, It it blurs the line between amateur and professional sports, and that is absolutely true. Uh, If you were paying college athletes in a way that I'm going to suggest later in the program, yes, you would say that there are a certain number of schools that field football teams, and these are young professional athletes that play on their team. They're not the NFL professional athletes, but we know that all of them are Trying to be that. Very rarely do you have a really good college uh, athlete, football, baseball, basketball, who isn't trying to take and leverage his or her athletic ability to move into the professional ranks, the professional sports ranks. And so, so yes, that would definitely be a blur between the line of amateur and professional sports for these particular colleges. Uh, it would prioritize athleticism over academics. And I agree that that is a con. We want all of our young student athletes to be students first and athletes second, but the reality of it is this. If Joe Burrow, the quarterback at LSU, who was in class this week, was, was told uh, Coach Ed Orgeron, I can't concentrate on this game. I got to concentrate on my American history test. Well, Orgeron is going to say, yes, that's good. But you and I both know that we want him in there studying Clemson's defense and how to win this game because that's very important as well. So, so, so really, we've already prioritized athleticism over academics. And I think that we just have to be honest about it. Some say that it would become a burden on taxpayers. Uh, when I express what I think should happen, I believe that I can eliminate that and actually may return uh, some of the money that's being invested in paying players uh, to the general public, certainly to the school. It would burden smaller schools. Yes, you're right. Uh, There are a number of schools, not just smaller schools, but there are a number of schools that don't have the facilities and don't have the emphasis on athletics. And if they had to compete for those athletes that have the ability to go somewhere else and get paid, they're not going to get them. Uh, the burden would be if they try to anyway. easing the a burden says that I'm going to stay in a category and this is the category of student athlete that I'm able to have. Um, it could encourage schools to cut other programs. It could encourage schools to cut other programs where scholarships are being issued or find another way of issuing scholarships for the non-revenue generating sports that are very important to The students are very important to the school, but even now, those football players and basketball players who aren't being paid are already subsidizing those other programs. It could create um, issues of paycheck equality or inequality. I mean, as you know, in professional sports, you get what you're worth, and your worth is uh, determined by what you think you're worth versus what an employer thinks you're well, that's everyone in the real world. So, so that is one thing. Uh, it may create an opportunity to unionize. And that is something that strikes the fear in the heart of these colleges, because the last thing they want is for on uh, the third Saturday in October, some of the players to say, Hey, we didn't get what we deserved. So we're going to walk out and we're not going to play. Boy, that would create a real big problem. So pros and cons. Uh, you can argue both sides. I like having a conversation. We're going to continue with this is Bob Dickerson within the black. And you're listening to me on the Voice America Radio Network. <music>
2: out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice TRN.
3: there are many people who claim to be dog experts yet they don't really provide a connection between dog owners and their best friend This is where the BS stops. Listen for Taming the Wild and Your Dog with expert author and nationally recognized dog trainer, Brian Bailey. Each show has experts, professional trainers, and veterinarians to give you the right answers. Listen for the safety and well-being of your dog. Listen every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: There are many innocent people who are found guilty of crimes that they did not commit. Join criminal defense investigator Jeff Stein for Is there really truth and justice for all? Each show, we'll discuss the problem. And it is a problem. The fact that because of incompetent investigations and a poor judicial system, anybody can become a victim. Can we fix this? Tune in to find out. You can listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson, Jr., at gmail.com. Now back to in the Black.
1: This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black. You're listening to the Voice America Radio Network. Happy to be here. Happy you're out there. We're talking about uh, big-time college sports and whether the athletes ought to be paid. This program is airing on the Wednesday after the big game between LSU and Clemson. So I'm recording this in advance. I don't know who won by now, and I'm not going to make a prediction. I have mixed emotions. I'm trying to pull for the SEC, but... uh, but I really like Dabo Sweeney, and uh, and so we've been talking about this whole issue about whether or not the athletes ought to be paid. And so many many pundits argue that uh, it's exploitation to to have players work for what is really considered paltry compensation, while the universities, the advertisers, television networks, and everybody else profits from the efforts. Uh, it's been said that. Uh, That it's it's not immoral for the NCAA and its schools to make money off of athletics, but it is immoral to restrict the athletes from receiving proper compensation while everybody else uh, is profiting. And so this whole idea about amateurism um, and the student athlete uh, are kind of cynical. They're 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 hoaxes. They're legalistic uh, confections. You know, actually promulgated so you can continue to exploit the skills and and talents of these particular athletes. So, So, you know, it's nothing wrong with making the money, but it seems like it is something wrong with not properly and appropriately compensating the labor. And that's what the athletes get to be that cause the money to be made. Of course, this program is in the black, so we do have to share it from uh, the, a racial standpoint, and I don't think anybody's gonna be surprised that in the surveys that have been done, most blacks want college athlete, athletes to be paid and most whites don't. Well, if you turn on television right now and you look at major college sports, uh, you see in the basketball arena, it's you know 85% uh, African-Americans playing basketball in, in major college. Uh, when you turn on the television and you watch major college football, you'll notice that, uh, that I know in the SEC just about everybody on defense is black, and then the running backs and the receivers tend to be black, and there's even more and more black quarterbacks. And So, so when you really look at it, uh, a lot of the athletes that are, co- that are coming from some of the low-wealth communities and playing big-time sports are black, and so it's not surprising that when you do surveys and you ask and you record the answers by the race of the person giving the answer, that 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 these racial divisions on these controversial issues like this one is of course not new, and so it's understandable um, that uh, there are strong differences in in in, in people. Really, when they look at race neutral policies like welfare and health care and law enforcement, they're supposed to be neutral. And so uh, so this whole issue of paying or not paying college athletes gets to be the same. So anyway, here's what I think. I've never been uh, one who has been um, shy about offering an opinion. Uh, I have talked about it and uh, and I'm not going to say I'm right, but I do think this will work. So. Keep in mind that a lot of the people who are being recruited to these major colleges to play sports don't come from really uh, well-off families. In in probably at least 50% of the cases, they come from low-income backgrounds. Probably in 80% of the cases, they come from low-to-moderate-income backgrounds. So their, their parents don't have a lot of money to support them while they're in college playing sports. So this is what I think they should get. I think they should get a reasonable amount of money based on the number of hours that they spend in practice and in meetings and in games. Uh, That compensation ought to be at least, and, and I, you know, we wouldn't even think about a minimum wage, but you would think about compensating them at a fairer wage. Uh, Say the same thing that somebody who worked for in a significant position at a factory uh, in a significant position at another kind of business so that they are getting uh, adequate hourly compensation based on the time they spend at practice, at meetings, at games doing this. But I think that there's something bigger than that when you look at the amount of money that's being made. And I think this is where the big piece comes in. I believe that every athlete at a high-earning major college. We've talked about the 24 that make more than $100 Uh, I would dare say that there are another 50 that make a lot of money based on what I think a lot of money is. But each one of these students ought to have some sort of annuity set up for them for every year they compete. Now, this isn't money that they can get while they're competing. This is money they get when their playing days are over. So when you really look at a student athlete that gets recruited to a school like in Alabama, and they recruit, oh, 20 or so uh, new football players a year. They have some down there that are gray-shirted, some that uh, aren't on full scholarship. But but those, those students that come there, every year they pay, there ought to be an annuity set up for them. Why? Because for – Ninety percent of them that get recruited, the end of their playing days is going to be the end of their college days. They're not going to go pro, so they're not going to be compensated as professionals in the NFL and the or the NBA or major league baseball are they're going to get out of school they will have played their three to four, maybe with red shirts five years in college they are Probably 50% likely, uh, 50% of them are likely to have a degree or have used college in a way that helps them, you know, get a good job. And so I'm not worrying about, you know, trying to split those hairs. I think that all of them ought to have what is tantamount to a nest egg for having contributed their time and effort, their blood, sweat, and tears. To a college or university. And so I just think pure and simple. Uh, If you play for every year you play, you've got a sum of money, set up an annuity that you cannot get to until you are done playing. If you're done playing after year one, yeah, there it is. After year four, it's a bigger amount, obviously. If you were able to get a fifth year, you know, then you're going to have more money And that will allow the student athletes or the athletes who did not make pro, who are not going to make a lot of money using their athletic abilities to have something to start their lives with because they contributed to fortunes, to making fortunes for coaches and administrators and colleges and TV execs and the list goes on and on they made a contribution because of their efforts. There should be something waiting for them when they walk out of school. Now, let me just take it a step further, because there are some students that leave these big time universities and they go pro and they get money and they get a lot of money. And, uh, and and it's great. I'm happy to see them when they can walk out and sign and get you know, the millions, the multi-million dollar signing bonuses. Well, those athletes that get drafted and make pro, even the ones that go and do free agencies and sign pro contracts, they don't need that annuity. annuity. And so here's their opportunity to take that money that has been reserved for them. If it's $100,000, that's based on $25,000 a year for four years. If it's $100,000, it's their first tax write-off. And they can give that back to the college or university and help other students, whether they be athletes or not. I think if we looked at doing that and providing the hourly compensation that is reasonable for the kind of work that's going to be done, keeping in mind the profitability of the employer, and we set something up so that the ones that don't make money off playing sports for the rest of their lives or don't make the kind of money that you see people make uh, that come out and play professional sports, that they have something left. I would love to know what other people think about the idea of fairer compensation for hours spent based on the profitability of the organization that is hiring uh, these student athletes and setting up a nest egg for these young men and women so that when they're College playing days are over, then they have something to walk out with, something to fall back on. I really would like to know what you think, and you can reach me. Uh, you, uh, we're on Twitter at In the Black, and of course that is, that is spelled N T H B L K In the Black, or my other Twitter account is at B Dickerson Jr. at B Dickerson Jr. And of course you can look me up on my website and communicate with me through that, it is www.bobdickerson.com, www.bobdickerson.com. This is Bob Dickerson. You're listening to In the Black, and we'll be back on the Voice America Radio Network after these very important messages.
3: There are many people who claim to be dog experts, yet they don't really provide a connection between dog owners and their best friend. This is where the BS stops. Listen for Taming the Wild in Your Dog with expert author and nationally recognized dog trainer, Brian Bailey. Each show has experts, professional trainers, and veterinarians to give you the right answers. Listen for the safety and well-being of your dog. Listen every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: There are many innocent people who are found guilty of crimes that they did not commit. Join criminal defense investigator Jeff Stein for Is there really truth and justice for all? Each show, we'll discuss the problem. And it is a problem. The fact that because of incompetent investigations and a poor judicial system, anybody can become a victim. Can we fix this? Tune in to find out. You can listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN.
0: You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson, Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black.
1: Hey, this is Bob Dickerson. You're listening to In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. We've been having such a great time, and time really flies when you're on here just talking and having fun and, and, and giving information. And hopefully you'll find that, that, uh, the program is interesting and the information is important and helpful. I certainly hope that, uh, we've been talking about whether or not to pay college athletes. And of course you've listened to my opinion. I think that they should be fairly compensated. I think that the compensation model that exists now is not quite fair I believe that uh, the major schools in the five major conferences that make a ton of money off athletics, 24 of them make over $100 million a year off football alone, that those schools probably ought to be treated a bit differently. I think we have to rethink what is really amateurism and, um, and, and have to come to grips with the fact that with the money being made off athletics in these schools, that what the schools have essentially done, whether we want to admit it or not, is these, are, these schools are fielding teams of professional athletes or certainly semi-professional athletes uh, who represent the colleges. And so if we can get okay with that, then perhaps it's an easier way for us to get okay with the different compensation models that rewards all of these contributors, whether they're the ones that make All-American or that we see on TV or that somebody wants to sign an autograph or they get, you know, drafted by pro sports teams and and get this notoriety because there are a lot of others, a lot of other young men and young women who contribute time and effort to making these teams work. And also that time and effort helps to make the athletes that do well beyond college work. If it were not for those guys and, and ladies who practice with the team and who are the substitutes or the, the, the players that don't get a lot of notoriety, if they weren't there, then the others would not be as good and as successful. And so, you know, my idea is to try to reward all of them uh, based on the time they spent and that there be be some sort of deferred compensation for each and every year that an athlete participates in athletics at major colleges. I do realize that every school is not going to be able to do that and so we have to draw the line or, 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 or focus on the ones that can, note, noting that those will be the ones that get the superior athletes coming out of college. What we have found is that as each year that somebody comes into a program, uh, there are some players who are no longer with that program. And I think that those student athletes that are not as talented or are not viewed to be as talented or for some reason Aren't as attractive to the big time colleges, the Michigans, the Texas, the Ohio States, uh, the Southern Cals, then there are other options for them too because that talent can go down the line. And so, uh, and it doesn't say, I, I've, I've noticed in the paper uh, here in Birmingham, Miles College, which, which is a Division II college that probably has 1,500 students, I guess. But they got a kid that's being looked at for the NFL right now because they had a good football team. And so some players break through even when they come from, you know, some of the smaller schools and some of the kids that don't make it at an Alabama, for example, may end up at an Alabama State or a or, or one of these other schools. So, so I just think that we have to look at the compensation model and make sure that these kids are rewarded for contributing to such an enormous amount of money that's being made from these colleges. So we just want you to keep that in mind. Uh, Hopefully that's something that you don't totally disagree with. Uh, And, uh, and, and we'd like to have that conversation. As I mentioned earlier, Uh, communicate with me at in the black, that's at NTHBLK or at B Dickerson jr. Or through the Bob website. Speaking of that, speaking of that, you know, uh, one of the things that we do on a daily basis is we help people start, grow and develop businesses. So I am available. um, If you need me to help you, uh, if you're looking to start a business, then, you know, we know we have programs and services that we can help you with. Uh, If you're in business and you're trying to grow, then we have expertise to be able to help you do that. If you're trying to access capital for your company, Uh, We do that in our organization on a daily basis. And so I just want to mention that to you, that we're available. You know, we consider it uh, honor and privilege to have been trained and blessed and, 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 and have the information to share with people who want to go into business. We think it's important that we have as many successful businesses in this country as possible because you drive employment. Uh, small businesses actually pay taxes where the big ones don't. And, uh, and they create character. They, they sort of shape community. So if anything that we can do to help someone start or grow and be successful in business, then we're anxious and, and, and looking for the opportunity to do that. I want to leave you with, uh, with, a, with one tip on gaining and retaining customers And I noticed this the other day when I visited a business and uh, you've got to make your, especially in the retail sense, you've got to make your retail location attractive. It's got to look well organized. You don't want a customer to come in there and it's so crowded and, you know, and it doesn't have any theme and, and, and it's just, you know, it's not encouraging people to want to spend money when they really can't see what they want to buy. So just a little tip, if you've got a retail establishment, understand that what is on your shelf and the way the shelf is stacked, uh, your point of sale items, that's all part of your marketing. And if you get it right, then your sales will increase. I guarantee you. And if you're getting it wrong, you're leaving money on the table because people are coming into your establishment and they're making a value judgment about you, your store, your merchandise. And oftentimes if if they don't like what they see, then the value judgment is different in a negative way. So I'll leave you one other thing uh, before we call it quits for this for this program. I mentioned when we started, uh, one of the things we toyed with was uh, having a program called The Book on Business. And the book, of course, was the good book, the Bible. Uh, and so, just talking to business people, you know, being an entrepreneur, being in business takes a lot of courage. Um, it takes a lot of prayer, it takes a lot of thought. And so, I just want to just refer all of the business people and the wit- be business people to the to second Timothy and it said god has not given us a spirit of fear timidity but power love and self discipline if you're in business that's a scripture that you ought to reflect on quite often because you don't make it in business if you're fearful if you're timid and if you lack discipline and so keep that in mind that as you pursue your entrepreneurial endeavors Every day it's not going to be sunshine. There are going to be some dark times, some hard times, some things that you have to work through. But you're fearless, and you know that you're going to make this work. This is Bob Dickerson on Voice America with In the Black. Thanks for joining me. See you again next week.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Please join host Bob Dickerson for another edition of In the Black next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.